And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Two thousand eight, the prequel trilogy is over, and millions of fans are left without Star Wars. Enter a brave group of Jedi led by Dave Filoni, who brought tales of the Jedi, clone armies, and Mandalorians to Cartoon Network, thus keeping hope alive in the galaxy. Welcome to Jedi's and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. In this episode, Maul is captured and the Siege of Mandalore is won. But in a single moment, the galaxy will never be the same. There will be Order 66, aka the Red Wedding of Star Wars. We're talking Shattered this week. How you doing, Chris? Excellent. <laughs> I gotta quote my stepmom on that one because uh, I was explaining the episode and I was like, yeah, because originally that said there will be, and I wrote insert crying sounds here, but I was explaining the episode to my stepmom. She goes, oh, kind of like the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones. And I kind of stopped. I was like, yeah, it kind of (laughs) is. Absolutely. So I thought the Red Wedding of Star Wars is very fitting for Order 66 because it kind of is yeah it certainly is it wasn't as i mean the red wedding wasn't as planned out as order 66 long term planned out but yeah it was the same idea yeah just kill half the most of the good guys yeah so you having a good week so far so far so good it's been like indian summer here so it's been in the high 60s low 70s here it was almost 80 today so yeah i'm enjoying it we're we're very warm too, and we're watching uh, Miss Tropical Storm Ida in the Gulf, wondering how soon it's gonna be moseying up our way. So I think I think last time we talked, I said like we'd just gotten like our first snow, and yep. uh, and <laughs> yeah, then you did. right and then like two days after that, it's been it's been sunny and beautiful every day. Have you been enjoying the the Mandalorian this season? Or? I have been enjoying the Mandalorian. I, apparently, I enjoyed uh, episode ten came out this week, yep. the second one of the second season, and apparently, I enjoyed it a lot more than other people. Like I've everybody's it. describing it as slow moving, and I d- didn't find it any more. I mean. You guys I mean, are just I don't think mean. it was any more slow moving than the last episode, you know? It was sort of like a build up and then a big action sequence at the end, you know? Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing about this. Um they're doing like a pretty much a character study of 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 Den right now. That was what the first episode was. It was looking at like what does it mean to wear the armor? Um, versus, uh, when you have people like Cobb Vance there, who is wearing the armor, who is, you know, has the qualities of a Mandalorian, like honor and and stuff. 
and then hold on um and then versus someone like introducing boba fett at the end and so the first episode was what does it mean to wear the armor and in this episode we were looking at both his honor code and his parenting skills because frog lady is a narrative foil to to din they are the exact same character (laughs) well i mean both of them basically are just i mean the mandalorian like you guys I are mean, just mean. <laughs> the Mandalorian is, I it, uh, hopefully, is never going to be this running, complicated storyline that gets more complicated. It's going to be simple. That you know, that's that's the thing is, it, it, it's simple visual storytelling, and then the and then you know, since it has that extra felony touch, that extra layer of quality, you have they add you know he knows how to add character in it but it's just you work a little bit at a time and i don't think this is ever going to become as complicated as say clone wars or rebels did plot wise because it's not that kind of story you know i mean it's got it's got twangy guitar in it for for can, christ's sakes can I, so uh... it's 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 like they're they're like half hour you know it, it builds a larger story but you know, it's it's basically just like a an exercise in visual storytelling, and it's amazing. It's uh, like. Can, can I also read something that uh, our buddy Jana posted from Geeky Bubble? Yeah. Um, she wrote, "I figured it out. I finally figured out why I've had trouble connecting with the Mandalorian lately." It's basically a book, right? Chapter one, two, three, etc. And each chapter is a first point of view through Den. I don't like most first point of view stories. Holy crap. So when I'm asking, where is Gideon? What's he up to? Why is it taking forever to get answers? It's because the story is playing out solely from Den's perspective. I shouldn't have gotten that right away. And so then I wrote... That's a really fascinating point. That would make sense why we only have flashbacks for characters like Quill and Cobb. Din wasn't there to witness it. And then she added, um, I also wasn't sure if it was third point of view limited, but someone could say it's extremely limited. And we got to talking, like, there's maybe about five scenes in ten episodes that are not with Din, being like the opening of Omera Winter, uh, Gideon in the finale, Boba at the end. And, and Toro and Phoenix chat, but all of those are setting up stories around Din. Yes. So, and, and that's the thing, like, it's from Din's perspective, so we don't know what's going on outside of him because the story is about him and he is the character in this chapter yeah. book. Well, I mean, when somebody, when it's from someone's perspective, you still, like, can see someone over their shoulder sneaking up on them. And, but basically, all that means is when you see Gideon and you see Boba Fett in there, it means they're going to be mixed up in his story. Because, in his story. <laughs> right, in his story, because now they're part of his story. So that scene is part of his story, so it's in there. So, I mean, I like that. That, that it's, it's, it's a thing, and, and it, is limit, it is a limitation, and that's the thing is sometimes limitations help with something, you know, and this has all sorts of limitations, baked into it it's a tv show so it's budgetarily and time limited and you know i mean whenever you even a high budget show like this i'm sure they're scrambling on a shoestring a lot of times to do it and that makes you be in, have to be inventive about what you do what kind of stories you do you know so and i think it works 
like wonderfully for i i put the man i'm comparing in my head the mandalorian to mad max fury road and just like an exercise in the top talents and visual storytelling like showing off their stuff and and not only visual storytelling but dave filoni's a good storyteller and you know character and story and plot and all that so you know but they're not it's not this complex filigreed thing. It's a, it's simple, you know, it's simple and basic, but when it does its stuff, it just does, you know, the, the scene where he gets thrown off his, his swoop bike and, you know, does, does a little puff with his, with his jets and lands is really cool. But then on top of it, like, he has to dodge the tumbling speeder bike that's coming coming towards him and stuff and it's just and it just goes by in half a second and it's it's gorgeous and it sucks you right into it. Yeah, I so, enjoyed it a lot. Well, anyway, these first, these first two episodes have reminded me so much of the first few episodes of Rebels season 1. Um, and which are very character establishing and character defining episodes. And at the time, we couldn't see why they were important until we got much later in the series. And that's and like look like uh, chapter six with the prisoners. That was a very divisive episode with fans. You either loved that episode or you hated it. And what happened? Came back this week, and it was an important role of this week's plot. So like that's why I'm like. I, I think people are just so invested in plot that they don't really want to care about the slower paces of character building and defining and stuff like that. Um, Cause that, that um, was a very early, that was a very early criticism of rebels and that's a criticism of resistance. Resistance is not a plot show. It is a character show, pure and simple. It does not affect the greater Star Wars universe in any way, shape, or form. But a lot of people didn't watch Resistance. So when they get to something like Mandalorian, where at the moment it feels like Resistance, it doesn't feel like it's impacting the greater Star Wars universe. And I don't think people know what to do with that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a shame because that's the basics of storytelling. I think people have, I think people have become too into the wikipediaization of their fandom which is fun but at the same time it wants you to know it wants you to be able to fill in everything into it have the storyline of everything you know we're going to create this world you know every detail we're going to find out every detail of it instead of letting the stories just wind you through it you know yeah. So everybody's looking for connections and then there's people looking for things that look familiar, you know, things in it like, oh, that's a swoop bike. Yeah, you know, those started out in this video game and that's cool and all that. But really, like the Mandalorian is meant to just be sort of absorbed and it's not pure, you know, it's not empty calories. It's definitely got, you know, resonances in it and stuff. But it's not about a complicated story. It's about things like it's just a, it's See, it's about things like a samurai story. It's about honor and it's about you know tradition and family and you know stuff like stuff like that. But just in like subtle broad strokes over time, you know. I'm, I, I'm gonna slightly disagree with you. I don't think it's a complicated story in the narrative or in the bigger scheme of Star Wars. 
I think it's an incredibly compli- complicated char- uh, story when it comes to character. Like, oh, yeah. oh, I don't yeah. think Baby Yoda's a lightsider. Like, I think he's... I, he's I a baby. Have, well, no, that's the thing. Like, I have a lot of trouble reading this child. You know, we, like, we laugh at him eating this woman's eggs, but he's killing her possible future children. You know, yeah, but she so clearly... is every, everything that eats eggs in the wild, which is so well, many frogs. <laughs> well, she... let, me, let, let me finish. Like she was clearly very emotionally already connected and saw these as her children, as her potential children. And like, cause they're, the show has so many mothers. Like the reason they get chased by the spiders, cause baby Yoda eats a baby spider. And the mom's like, what the fuck? You ate my child. He's, um, he's a, he's a hungry baby. All he understands is he's I, id, but you know? Is, and, that, and that's where I have trouble reading baby Yoda because there are times where I don't know how aware he is or not, because sometimes he just seems like a baby. But sometimes yeah. you have things like in chapter eight where he understood to heal grief karga. Ooh, he understood the how... threat. The th- Hold on. I... Let me finish, Chris. God. Uh, he understands the threat of the flamethrower. And he like so like sometimes he is super aware of what's happening around him. And other times he's just like, I'm just going to eat a thing. And I, I think that's a very fascinating line because it, I don't know how much he's playing everything around him. That's how that's how I hear parents describe their kids. Sometimes he seems like he understands everything I say and other time, you know, it's their their kids, they're all it's he's all impulse and and those eggs are food for him and his his obviously his thing is food. Get as much food as possible because he's probably just needs a lot of force energy and he's a grow, growing baby Yoda although they don't. It's not like they grow to be eight feet tall, but you know, but he does. He doesn't. He doesn't understand. He's he's in for, for you know, um, satisfying his needs. But I mean, even if you have an id, you'd still like protect your dad, or you know, or protect yourself, especially if it was just. In, it might just be instinctive. But yeah, I just don't think he, uh, Baby Yoda doesn't understand right or wrong. And see, it's going to be very hard for him to learn it from the man. If he's what he's learning from Mandalorian is survival. You know? And that's the thing. How much, like the line from last week's episode where Dan tells Cobb he's seen worse, this child is constantly witnessing violence. Yeah. And, and it makes me wonder, like, how much that's going to take, he's going to take in. I, Cause I think something that could be really fascinating with them with baby Yoda is we are in a time period where there are very, very few Jedi and the Sith are in hiding. So there's pretty much really no force using body de- like dominating the galaxy right now. And I think it'd be so interesting of like making baby Yoda turn into something like maybe a middle walker or a Bindu, somebody who is both light sided and dark sided and recognizes that because I, I do feel like he is, and and the 50 years is the very interesting thing. We don't know his 50 year thing. He could have been hidden by Jedi. He could have been in Project Harvester with the Inquisitors. Like we don't know what that 50 year period was. And I think like once we figure out where he was at, that's going to really be super telling because we don't know where he was and we don't know what his past is. And I think that's going to be a very interesting thing to come out because I just see Grande just being like, oh, it's one of these and be like, wow, he is not aging. Okay, we'll just 
hold on to him for a while. <laughs> so, or he could have been in hiding this whole time. And I, I, we don't know. I think that's so learning that chunk of information of where he's been for 50 years is going to be a really, really interesting part of baby Yoda story. Well, I don't know. If you should say is going to be because maybe it'll never, I hope personally, I hope never find out. I never, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. Maybe baby Yoda will get old enough to talk and can talk about something or whatever. I don't need to know. I, I think it's, I mean, he seems to be actually just a normal, <laughs> a normal kid. And that, and that's the danger of any, any, any being I imagine with the force is, or with any, anybody is you could, you can go bad, you know, and you can, it's the story with Anakin too, you know? So. It's funny because baby Yoda and Anakin were born, are the same age. They were born the same year. Yeah. 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 Who who knows? He might be a Palpatine, another Palpy puppy. <laughs> a pulpy. I was, uh, Kiki Waffle did a, a live stream and they were joking about baby Yoda being the love child of Palpatine and Yaddle. <laughs> well, you know, he could be the, the forced, forced child. Anyway, anyway, Actually, I have one more thing to throw out. Um, I have to. Candace was telling me about a theory. Um, and by the time this episode comes out, we'll know whether or not this theory is true. But she was saying there was a theory floating around that he was swallowing the eggs to keep them warm, and he's just gonna puke them all back up next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh... Not counting on that. Me neither, but I actually really want it to happen because I think that's just weird enough to be like, yes. <laughs> it, it, this I I basically put this into this is a different morality than your average Star Wars. Star Wars has been evolving like in Rebels and stuff a more like understand the animals and and things like that, and this one is going more into the just sort of you know, a moral universe of where, oh, is that a giant monster coming in our ship? Let's just shoot it. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, a, a that's... Mandalorian just kill like animals. He'll just kill them unless he like knows them like dogs. You know, like a like a regular human. You know, and mm -hmm. Baby Yoda isn't any more like, oh, you know, I'm going to like, you know, hold out my like, because Ezra could could whisper those spider creatures so they set it up so where maybe rebels fans were thinking oh maybe baby yoda will whisper these guys but no he just eats them and then they try to eat him I... and then they shoot as many of them as they can and they probably kill the <laughs> the mother of the whole brood and off they go i i constantly compare um mandalorian to star wars rebels but honestly i should start comparing it more to star wars resistance it is a much more resistance based show it's resistance storytelling it's resistance kind of characters like it oh, is I look at it more as like original trilogy original trilogy animals just like <laughs> no i'm just talking about the story in general not just animals oh. i'm just talking about oh. story in general this show and i think that's why i really and i am going to say it again i think that's why so many people have an issue that it's not like going into like the bigger plot at the moment neither did star wars resistance star wars resistance did nothing to affect the giant bigger plot of star wars and it's just a character in world building show it's a character study 
And so far, that's what Mandalorian is. It's a character study of Din Djarin and Baby Yoda. And I think it's... people who are so used to having such plot-heavy Star Wars just don't get that. <laughs> should have watched it's Resistance, bitches. You should have watched Resistance, it's... you assholes. Watch, watch um, Lone Wolf and Cub. You that's know. you. <laughs> anyway, Clone Wars. We came here to talk about Order 66. Yes. I would ask you what you thought of this episode, but I know we both love it. <laughs> I like it a lot, yeah. Well, you ready to get into it? I am. All right. <clears throat> Shattered is the 132nd episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. It aired on May 1st, 2020. It was written by Dave Filoni and directed by Saul Ruiz. Some extra information for you. Hayden Christensen, Ian McDermott, and Samuel L. Jackson are all credited in this episode as we hear their dialogue from episode 3 used. Ahsoka senses Anakin's fall to the dark side, hearing the dialogue between him, Mace, and Shri Palpatine in Papa Palp's office. In Star Wars Rebels, Rex states that he had his control chip removed, which is why he didn't turn on his Jedi when Order 66 was issued. However, this episode shows that Rex removed his chip and he attacks Ahsoka at first, but she subdued him and removed his, his chip herself, restoring Rex's free will. Dave Filoni later explained that Rex was only telling Kanan enough so Kanan would understand who Rex is and what he really is about, and that Rex likely told Kanan the exact details off screen. So I wanted to talk uh, note this for a second. I always took um, in Rebels, Rex saying that he didn't turn on his Jedi, meaning Anakin. I never once, like, even knowing that, like, Rex and Ahsoka were going to be together for Order 66, I never once took it as Ahsoka. I always took it as Anakin, that he never turned on Anakin. So oh, I, I think it was just shorthand for he immediately got his chip, chip removed. I mean, Ahsoka yeah. immediately got, he was... He was he was chipped out 66 Rex for just a short period of time before Ahsoka took care of him. So, you know, why tell why tell the long story when basically just like, yeah, I don't have my chip, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Ahsoka's droid R7A7 makes a return in this episode. His first appearance was way back in season one and was briefly seen again in the Ahsoka Leaves arc when she was framed for murder. R7 brings, a new, uh, brings along some new droid friends, including Cheap, a C1 model droid similar to Chopper from Rebels. Cheap, like Chopper, was also voiced by Dave Filoni. Also, Cheap is closer to the original Ralph McQuarrie, I misspelled McQuarrie, Ralph McQuarrie design for R2-D2 than any other droid in Star Wars. And finally, in the Clone Wars download for this episode, Dave Filoni talked about how it was important to get Order 66 uh, from the Rex and Ahsoka's point of view. We have had so many other points of view in the movies. He talked about how in the movies everything happens so fast and it's just hit after hit after hit of Jedi going down super fast. But he thought in some instances it was probably a much longer event that some Jedi held out fought back and survived as we have seen as we have seen and come to know in other material after episode three came out he also briefly touched on the importance of fives in his arc in season six because the jedi were manipulated so politically by the senate they only see fives story as a huge conspiracy theory when he flat out is telling them about order 66 but this is what in turn helps saves rex in the end 
Rex might not have fully believed Fives at the time, but Fives' fear was enough for Rex to at least go on record to think something bigger was happening. You know who else has something bigger? (laughs) Big things happening. How you doing, Yoda? Mm, big things in the force, yes. Big things in little packages. Big doings, yes. Are are you the little package? The little 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 package? <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, I got a really simple question for you, Yoda. Rip. All your friends are dead. How you doing, buddy? Yeah. How you doing? Yeah, they come, they go. Hmm. Yoda died in Return of the Jedi, so, you know. And then you just kept living on, and you burned some trees Keep going. down. Yeah, it don't and matter. Yeah. Burned some, uh, burned some books down. They're all around. Skywalker's around. Obi-Wan around. All of them hanging out. You guys hmm. having a fun after party in the Force? Both Skywalkers, yes. Which which one's all, the better? All three Skywalkers all hanging out. Mm, never go away. No one ever goes away. Mm, Palpatine Aww. never goes away. Palpatine never goes away. Neither does a... Maul. Maul just keeps living somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dead. Uh, slap some robot leg. Yeah, so, no deal. Question. Out of the three Skywalkers, which one's the best one to party in the afterlife with? Oh, oh, Leia. Hmm, yes. Ah, Leia really? Knows how to party, Leia does. Yes. Oh. Is she one of those, like, smart partiers where she can just be like, yeah, I'm having fun, and now let me tell you where my boundaries are and give you the law behind it, and I will arrest you. Is she one of those kind? No. <laughs> oh. Oh, but can arrest Yoda anytime, yes. Oh. Read Yoda oh. his frights, yes. Ew, ew. Where's my spray bottle? Ah. <laughs> oh, did I? Oh, it's so amazing. Just mentioning the spray bottle makes him go away. They know. <laughs> we used to have this one spray, spray, um, squirt gun for, uh, <laughs> for this one cat named Huey. And, uh, it, it was a dolphin. And when you squirted it, its mouth opened. And all you had to do was just sort of pull the trigger a little and the mouth would just open a little. And he'd be like, hey, okay, backing down, getting off the table. <laughs> it's over. It's over. I see. You got me. You got old Huey. So, Chris. We never even had to put water in it after a while. <laughs> That's how you know you got them. Yeah. All right. All right, Chris. What's the rules for commentaries? All right. Did someone missed the first two. You get your you get your episode of uh, Clone Wars season seven eleven shattered. You get it set on zero zero, ready to play. I'm gonna count down from three, and then I'm gonna say go. And when I say go, you push that play button, and we'll be all in sync. Oh, am I on zero zero? Yes, I'm on zero zero. Me too. I I'm ready. All right, you got your subtitles all ready? I should. If not, it's not take up like a. That's I true. Can do it all Push of a button. Yeah. All right. All right, everybody. 
You don't need to use your subtitles, though, out there. Just us. All right, here we go. The penultimate episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Three, two, one, go. Right out, it, it starts out with, like, the the sort of the force theme, but it's all broken and it's shattered. It's a shattered version of the force theme. I would be just so interested to talk to somebody. For for some reason, if somebody just was like, "Let me start Star Wars in chronological order," so they like watched all this before Episode Three and didn't know what was coming, I would love to talk to that person because. Part of what makes this episode so good is we know at any moment Order 66 is gonna happen, and that's the tension of why this episode is good. You and, mean they saw this before they saw episode three? You mean? Yeah, because if they were watching it in chronological order, Clone Wars would come first and then episode three. And just not knowing that Order 66 was coming. Oh, well, I'm you could watch Clone. You you could do something where you watch Clone Wars right up to the Siege of Mandalore, then yeah, watch Episode Three, then I watch. I would rather have it the other way around. I know. Can you imagine? Cause they'd be like, "What?" No, that would be. <laughs> you would still. You would still. You would just get it in the opposite direction. That is what the council and. Because then you would have all the build of uh, all the build up of last episode. Because then Maul would be like, "Oh, Anakin's the apprentice," and people would be like, "What?" <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, but like you could still be. It would still sort of spoil the the movie. But at the same time, you could be like, "Well, it may be true. It may not be. True. You know, you don't yeah. know from this. You know, you don't actually see it and see it and have it." confirmed as much in the, uh, I think it'd be very interesting to talk to a person who watched it that order to know what they thought I, yeah, I'm so sad if, about this conversation too because somebody synced uh, up this scene with the episode 3 scene and she missed talking to Anakin by oh, yeah. seconds the like, first time I saw that I was like thought you could do I was like oh man you could cut this right you know she walked out of the room right here for them to continue their conversation and then she walked in so she missed Anakin by seconds it's just it's sort of doing a lot it's sort of doing it similar to the way like um 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 uh rogue squad rogue one handled it you know or you know where where like you were just you were coming into scenes from a different angle or or just missing just missing something but you know you were or or seeing something from a different angle you know i'm gonna i'm gonna put a pen in the citizen yes. scene because i got the i gotta put a pen in the note too that's uh that's some wet blanket bullshit. you know i used to think that and that's my pen i used to feel the same way too but I don't feel that way anymore, especially because right here Yoda is offering her an out, going, you want to come back? And she goes, no. And they go, okay, then you are acting like a citizen. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Windu's, I, yeah, I, I, I agree that that's, that, that, I agree with that, but it's just, 
he's just being a dick. Everybody else is like glad to see and uh, <laughs> glad to see Ahsoka. So you should watch Rex's face after he calls her a citizen because his eyes get all big. He's just like, "What did you just call her?" What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. Rex is about to look real shock. I'm sorry. Right here, watch Rex's face. What did you just call her? <laughs> he has that look of like. Oh yeah. He did uh, a little bit of eyebrows in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love this little scene too because it's Ahsoka, almost like because Yoda and Ahsoka are, are not going to see each other again until Rebels that that we know of. Um, I'm assuming they don't, but yeah. it makes it here because he's just he's still like trying to like you know like hey we still like you and stuff. And that's what makes that scene in Rebels so great is because it's kind of like that last like little moment between them of like we're all good now. <laughs> But she's not good. She's not there yet. She's, she's not ready to be good with them yet, but she's good with them later. And I like that kind of little setup to their next meeting in Rebels. <gasps> Baby Ursa Wren. Baby Mama Bear. She look cute. She look cute. Baby Mama Bear's walking down the hallway with Bogotan. I have to also say... She has a really cute hair clip on, and I've tried to zoom in multiple times because I like Ursa's hair clip, and I'm like, oh, it's so cute. We gotta get good in good with the animators so they can just send you like a high-res copy of the 3D model of her hair clip. You can just 3D print it. I like that too, and, I, and I'm wondering if that's a follow-up to Last Jedi, because something that Carrie Fisher really wanted uh, Ryan Johnson to do was to have the women have more jewelry. So that's why like Leia and Holdo have jewelry and stuff like that. So when I saw that Ursa Rin's hair clip, you know, she's all warrior, except for she has this very fancy hair clip on that you can barely see. And it makes me go like, I wonder if that's a follow-up that they're trying to give the women a few more like little embellishments here and there. Because I think Rafa had rings from the Martez sister arc, if I remember correctly. Like, she well, had yeah. rings and stuff. Yeah, Rafa was very Hondo-like. Like, uh, Ursa, yeah. Ren, uh, Ursa Ren is, I mean, the thing about, uh, like, Ursa Ren, like, if, if, like, in a throne room or something, I could see her with jewelry on or at home and stuff. But when you're in your Mando armor, like, jewelry, like, if you have a piece of jewelry in that yeah. and, like, your, your armor gets hit wrong, you could get a horrible wound from it. So, you know, I could see, like, being that, like, when you're in armor mode you're you're sort of practical you know you, you like and that's why i kind of want to see that hair clip so you would okay. you would probably have to like do stuff do uh, something like that by altering your armor god i love watching maul in these scenes because i forgot <laughs> that he was awake during it i for i i thought for some reason i remembered it as he was in sort of like cryogenic hibernation but no he's just like grrr <laughs> no, and, and you can, like, he's clearly, like, and I, I have a note about him going and meditating here, too. But, uh, Scared Maul is a terrifying thing for audiences. But from, from this moment, all the way to Order 66, look at these long shots. They're making a point to show you how many clones are here. And every shot up until Order 66, they are constantly making you aware that Ahsoka is very much surrounded by so many clones. Yeah. And they're yeah, all well, long shots, all the, too. In, in episode three, the montage of it, they were all, like, he did it while they were all in the final stages of final the final battle. So there were tons of clones, you know, tons of clones and 
and all their machinery around so you know they it wasn't it wasn't just like done in the middle of the night they went and knocked on the jedi's door they got them totally by surprise in the middle of battle when they were all separated and surrounded by clones mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean when you I've, when apparently when you're planning things for couples like millennia you, like you tend where... to tie up those that, those loose ends <laughs> like here like they're walking in and there's clones down there there's clones there they're looking up at her like they're making sure to show us all the clones all around them and i think and it's like it's shot a lot like return of the or uh, empire strikes back from the angles and stuff so it's feeling more imperial now you know oh and that's that, a good point you know what i mean that a lot of the shots down the at the guys down in the pits and and the angles of them are direct angles from return of the jedi of darth vader walking down the hallway so yeah so things are just getting darker and it's you know the turn is happening yeah that's it i never thought about that that's a really good point I will say from about this point on to like the end, all my notes are in like all caps and they're all just one word things of just like Rex no <laughs> Rex, Well this is this is this may be one of the most existential moment conversations in all of all of Star Wars, you know, that both of them just acknowledging that their entire existence has been war, you know. And yeah. in battle. And that like, you know they I mean the I mean yeah. It's 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 sort of put as a warm moment, but it's basically like neither of us have had a real life, you know. That's a good point, though. Like, if if narratively the Martez sister was the thesis statement of the story of Clone Wars, this was the thesis statement of Rex and Ahsoka as characters in Clone Wars. Yeah, and it sort of encompasses the whole prequel clone thing. I love this moment where Maul is just like, oh god, it's happening. He's double layers of red, too. There's just red on top of red, and then I just, blue. I, yeah, I just love that. Just the he, the moment he feels is happening, it's just that moment of, like, here it comes. <laughs> I really would love to watch a supercut of the two, of Siege of Mandalore supercut together with episode three. And Rex is about to cry. Nothing's okay when Rex cries. I love watching the clones in the background too. Oh, oh. Like you can see them like touch their comms, like they're getting their orders and they start turning. Oh, I love that shot. Rex is crying. Rex is crying. You can see the tears go down his face. <laughs> Five. I like how she quick knocks him out. God, this is such a good scene. This scene, this scene, it was really cool the first time I saw it. The second time I saw it, I'm just like, holy shit, this is insane. Because look at how hard Ahsoka is trying not to kill anybody. She just does not want to kill anybody. Oh, yeah. And... Oh, God, yeah. 
I, I will talk more about that probably next week about how like even though she's absolutely trying to save everybody she pretty much accidentally dooms everyone on the ship even though but her her intention is there and that's what makes her the best of the jedi well, she's, her intention yeah, she's, is to save people she's trying until the last you know until she can anymore you know yeah. she's sticking with it until she can and, you know, you know? I, and, and, and at this point, she doesn't know that, that, that like, <laughs> you know, so many people are going to die. She, she, you know, and in, in her life of adventures, what happens is she figures out a way to turn Rex and then they, like, change the chip and, and catch, you know, they, they find a way to resolve things, you know, there's... There's always some some venue of of fixing things or, or saving things. So she's gonna cling to that even in the you know, in the moment of obviously the entire <laughs> galaxy turning dark. Yeah. And I, I really do think she oh, oh, I love this scene. But she doesn't do it. This in the scene has so much of, tension of like watching. I love their first person mall point of view of just watching them come in for him. And you see the fear in him because he can't do shit. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, I love his fear. Oh, Spikey boy, you're going to be okay. Spikey well, yeah, boy. that he's going to get killed by just two guys with guns. But even here, like, she's trying not to kill them. Oh, yeah, Maul would have just bisected both of them. Don't make me regret this. I love this entire exchange. I actually didn't write too many notes about this exchange. Because they're this kind goes, of all... They were kind of just back kind of, to last week. Yeah, and that was kind of the thing. Like, any notes I wrote here were just continuations of last week's notes, which were all pretty much the same thing. Which is mostly, like, it's, it's interesting that Maul didn't realize the, that it was the clones and he wasn't so aware and that a team-up would have been cool, but of course they're not going to do that. And So yeah, that, that's why I didn't write too many notes. Well, yeah, it's it's just like Ezra. He, he but Except he's just like, oh, you know, the, I ha might have an in and he's just like, oh, we're friends. And she's just like, no. And he, and he, and she's not faking. He's just like, yep, okay, that's right. Yeah. And probably my, my favorite line of the entire episode is coming up. Can you guess what it is? It's the, I'm not rooting for you. The oh. <laughs> That's my favorite line of this episode. Which might be one of the darkest Ahsoka moments ever, where she's just like, go possibly die while I escape. With my friend, bye. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know it's not too dark. This is this guy it, would love to. This guy would love to make a like nice little stick with Obi Wan's head on the top of it, you know, yeah. and be like, "Hey, Ahsoka, look at my new puppet." As for Ahsoka, that's probably one of her darker moments of just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, go murder people and hopefully die. Bye. <laughs> I love that line of like, I'm not rooting for you. <laughs> Maul's just like, don't shoot the messenger, dude. <laughs> oh my god, that really is his entire story arc for the last two episodes. Yeah. Hey, I'm just the messenger, bro. He's the most human dark side character, really. I except for maybe Kylo Ren. You know, but Kylo Ren was human and he was just like his human weaknesses. But Maul 
Maul, you know, like, will just sit down and be like, wow, hey, I just figured out what Palpatine's doing. Well, okay, well, see you later, you know? He, 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 he has true animosity to Obi-Wan, but like with Ahsoka, he's like, he just doesn't feel, you know, he's ambivalent you know and and he'll just sort of hang out and be like oh well you know this and this is going on i do kind of wish um because that little droid she was just talking to that's r7 and i was reading in the notes um and i'll and i'll definitely go into this the guy with the saw the the little the tiny guy with the yellow the first person that she was talking to the red one not the saucer guy the red one that one all the way to the right um, apparently R7 is her personal astromech that she's had since season two. I forgot about that because he's only been in like three episodes before this. And I kind of wish we had more episodes with R7 and Ahsoka. And for and I wish they kind of had an, an, uh, a relationship sort of like Anakin and R2. And I say that because we know next week when R7 gets destroyed saving Ahsoka's life, that would have so much more story impact. Yeah, they probably in the earlier p- part of this just didn't want to have it be too confusing with everybody having an astromech droid. Yeah, I have a. I'm. I'm. My theory is that tiny little yellow one with the saucer thing on his head went through a bunch of shit and re revamps and ended up being chopper. With that, that's not because we know from Rebels that Chopper crashed on Ryloth and Hera pulled him out of the wreckage. That might be, that might have been his, like, he might have had his, there's just some noises that he makes that are very Chopper-like. Well, that's because it's like, voiced by Dave Filoni, and he is a similar model to Chopper, like, they're, like, one model That's what off. I'm saying, that's what yeah. I'm saying, and in the intervening years, he might have gotten, like, his memory wiped and beat up and stuff and just become, become Chopper. That's my that's my headcanon for that. that uh, Maul's Rogue One scene. Yeah, yeah. This scene is amazing. God, I love everything about this scene. And what I love about it is because, for one, it shows how powerful Maul is, but it also shows how powerful just the sheer will of the Force is because he doesn't have any weapons except for the ones he's ripping off the wall. They're pretty good weapons. Yeah. I mean, the walls of these ships are obviously meant to take blasters, so... I just... Funny note, there's a lot of, like, uh, people have made jokes about Toy Story, where it's just like, Hey, clone, you want to give me a hand? (laughs) And it's that scene from Toy Story where Buzz Lightyear throws his arm at Woody. And it's just like, that's not what I mean, Buzz! That might be the goriest glorious Star Wars thing too right there just the way that hand hit limply you knew there were, you could you know it, the the mechanics and physics behind it said there's no body <laughs> connected to this hand so it's pretty dark for pretty dark for Disney I do want to touch and I will definitely talk about it more but my pin in the last scene was the importance of fives and fives story has come back of why it's so important i love that she specifically says it's not your fault because that's like that's uh, that's such an important line to say that i feel like we'll get lost in the clone story and i think we've seen that i because i think we see that with like kanan where kanan does nothing but blame the clones and to having someone here going it's not their fault you know that's a very important line 
Well, I think she's also <clears throat> trying to like, you know, get through to him too, and and like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Now we find out that astromech droids are also brain surgeons. Actually, the very first time I watched this, I thought she was about done, about to pick up Rex and like carry him the whole way, and I was like, "Good lord, Ahsoka's buff!" And then she didn't. I was like, "Oh man." I think she could carry him. <laughs> she could just force push or drag him at, at, at the very least, but why not just load him onto a couple astro, three astromechs? <laughs> but the way like she started to pick him up, I was like, "Damn, Ahsoka's gonna be real buff this episode." <laughs> this reminds me of the Alien movie uh, Prometheus, except it's not as horrific. But they had a similar sort of just like a tube that you, uh, a woman had an alien. Um, baby implanted it, like that was gonna eat its way out of her stomach, and so she she put herself into a med thing that would, you know, find it and and extract it. But she had to be awake <laughs> to control it while it like, you know, did like little laser incision, removed the alien, and then sealed her back up and all that. I'm glad you read my mind because. And you just assumed that I hadn't seen the movie because I hadn't. So I don't. You, we know each other so well. Kind of movie, but it, <laughs> the, the visual of the of the of the and the idea of it are very similar. I just I love the idea, and maybe it's because I'm getting old. I just love the idea of just being able to lay down on a tube, and uh, go into the tube like a cat scan, and it just patches you up. That would be really nice. You ever seen the movie Elysium? They had a thing like that in Elysium. It just you just like no. laid down in it and it just like fixed you up head to toe. I think like ninety percent of the time, just assume okay. I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> oh, I love this moment. I I have some thoughts Vulcan about mind Rogue meld. One. Just the also like the importance of Rogue One and how Rogue One continues to be so important in the new canon. And I I do have a note about that to pin in and come back to. Though mostly it's more of amusing of, like, I wonder what would have happened if Rogue One came out, like, in the time period of, like, the prequels and has had several decades. Like, how much more would, that, would have had affected the canon? Because just since then, we've seen it come into um, Rebels. We've seen it come into the sequel trilogy. We've seen it here in Clone Wars. I can't remember if it's in Resistance, but I don't think it is. Um, but we've seen how important Rogue One is in the overall canon. And it makes me wonder if it had debuted earlier in the prequel era and had, like, you know, two decades, how much more important it would be. Oh, I love this scene about how desperate it is. And wondering whether or not Rex is about to shoot Ahsoka, well, even though we know that she's not. It still has that tension of, like, oh, God, no! I just, uh, the first time I saw it, I didn't think how intense it is that Rex just shot three troopers. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know? He shot three clone troopers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kid. And he calls her kid. He doesn't call her. He doesn't call her by her rank. He called her kid um, very early Clone Wars. He hasn't yes. called her kid in a. Actually, I think he called her kid in Siege of Mandalore um, when they were like, or no, maybe maybe not. But he definitely used to call her kid when they were much younger. Oh. His fear, the look of his eyes is the same look in his eyes that Rex, that Fives had. <laughs> Bye. 
Oh, I love that final shot. Oh! So good! So good! So good! Okay! So! Uh, I covered that in my lines. I'm gonna come back to the citizen. Um, then they don't see each other until Rebels. Uh, okay. I have something to throw out there. Okay. Ah ah Ahsoka's not a Jedi. You know, that's addressed next episode. That's the ruse that Rex tries to pull next week. Oh. Because he can't remember they tried to pull the ruse. Right, like, right, right, right. She's not a Jedi. And he just is like, yeah, I think you're both full of bullshit. Kill them. <laughs> Because that, that's what makes Jesse turn on Rex. Because he follows Rex up until that point. I'm sorry. Shot down your nose. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Rex baby. Okay, all my... Rex baby, come back. Ahsoka feeling Anakin fall to the dark side. Maul feeling Gordon 66. The clones turning to face Ahsoka. Rex tears. Maul watching the clones come in. You can see his fear. I'm not rooting for you. There you go. Those are all my big caps lock notes. <laughs> Maul's Rogue One Vader Carnage. The fact that Ahsoka says it isn't Rex's fault. Okay, now it's all my, uh, my, uh, Now it's all your real notes. Uh, the importance of Rogue One. What, what, actually before, because I did, I, I did touch on that. What, do you think that Rogue One, having seen the importance of Eva in the new canon, do you think it would have had a much more heavy and important place in the canon if it had came out in something like the prequel era. Ooh, it's hard to say because it would have been a different movie special effects wise, everything wise, it would have been handled story. Huh? I'm just talking story. If that story came out. Yeah. I think, well, I think it would have been a, it would have been a huge deal because it would have, I think I I think if in the prequel era if if Rogue One came out like during or after you know I I can't see it coming out like in between the movies like after if it came out after the movies it would be sort of similar like it would get focused on as like now this is real Star Wars you know not like because that was the height of you know the prequels came out and they were just getting just dumped on constantly so i think that it would they would have been like this is a return to form because it's very similar you know it has a lot of that stuff in it and i think it also would have been seen as being kind of like radically different but a return to form and you know more star warsy because it, it has the a more it would have been weird because it has a more original trilogy feel to it I'm, but like story wise it's 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 hard to say it's hard to say you I'm, know cuz i'm talking about like in terms of how it's impacted the canon um cuz we've already seen rogue one come into rebels we saw it come into the sequel trilogy and here it's what <clears throat> helps ahsoka save right Rex. right and, but if if they saw it right after the prequel trilogy all they'd be able to connect it to I'm not even the original talking trilogy. fans. I'm just well, I mean, talking anybody, about like the only thing it would connect to it would it wouldn't connect to those things till the future. Then they would be like sort of retroactively connecting to it. Yeah, and, and I guess what I'm talking about is like how the canon has built on top of it, and if it would have affected things like 
you know, if, if it had came out along the prequel trilogies, then we could have had Rogue One references much earlier in, say, Clone Wars, you know, built up those early ones. The only reason it's here is because season seven was made after it. And so I'm, I'm thinking, like, you know, how would have other canon have built on the themes and the characters and the story of it? It's hard to say because almost all all the characters introduced are dead <laughs> by the end of it, good or bad, that aren't involved in the future, you know? I mean, I'm trying to think of, of I'm, I'm any... Thinking like- I'm thinking about like how just like those themes, not like not even like you, like just the themes, like something like I am the force and the force is with me, you know, like seeing that in early Clone Wars. Uh, like, yeah, I didn't in, think of that. Like like those kind of like those ideas of like having someone like Churit who is a force sensitive who's not in the Jedi, like having those concept and themes, having concept of themes of gray characters like Saul, who of course was introduced in Clone Wars and stuff, but you know having like. Like, those kind of ideas and, you know, this whole thing of, like, not looking up. Like, you know, it's not a problem well, unless you look up and stuff. Like, those kind of complexities and building the canon on top of that. Because it's, it's been built on that since. Yeah, I, 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 now that I think about it, I don't, I don't think they would have, like, I think that stuff takes time to evolve, you know? It, it, like narratively and story-wise structurally as time goes on and you start doing more stories the writers start going like hey man you know there's not a lot of narrative drive in keeping everything black and white you know there's there's you know we can't keep doing the same storyline over and over again and so you you know over time you have to develop you have to develop like the force as a character more you know or as a thing and you know the the universe is like so that stuff sort of started i mean that stuff started evolving in in and yeah and in in and in clone wars and stuff so i guess i'm just asking because already in Rogue One's been out four years, and in four years, it's made its way into, uh, like, the movies and two television shows. Well, yeah. In, in a four-year period. But I, yeah. so I guess what I'm asking is, how, what would its importance look like if it had, like, two decades, like Phantom Menace? I guess oh, what I'm saying is, what is it going to be 20 years from now is probably a better way of framing that. It's, it's, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say, because... You know what? What could develop off of it is something that we don't know oh, yet. You know, sorry, somebody so I, take I, I a direction my off of it that becomes very popular, and then, you know, it's hard to say. Like, um, I think they purposely, when they made Rogue One, purposely like just were were like everybody's dead at the end of this. You know, they sort of made it so like you couldn't do furtherance of any of the characters so the only the the like the only other big idea in it that like would have been would have been you know the sort of characters like Chirrut but everything else at that point you know without the other stuff before it would have just like drawn would have been drawing lines to Star Wars, you know, the original episode four. So they were people would have focused on that, but you know, I'm I, sure there would have been, you know, 
um, legends books about you know about Chirrut's past and I kind of disagree with you because like well that's what they did with everything in legends when they did the prequels no I'm I'm not talking about I'm not talking about legends I'm talking about the characters because I think every character brought something that Star Wars didn't have yet. You know, um, when and when I say that, I mean in the movies, because uh, the TV shows have been doing this for a while now. You know, Clone Wars has been doing this for a while now and stuff like that. But like when it comes to just the movies, I yeah. think Rogue well, One had something very different. Like the opening scene with Cassian, he is a hero and he murders a man. Well, you know, well, yeah, we, know. we have Jin, who is supposedly a hero that's constantly running from her trauma. We have, of course, Chur and, and Baze and their their roles in this as well. And then we have an Imperial defector with Bodhi. And we right. hadn't seen an Imperial defector in any of the movies. And I think if like they all brought something incredibly unique to the table um, that we hadn't had in Star Wars movies, even after, like, Rogue One was really a game-changing movie. And I will absolutely say, this is a lot of my bias talking, Rogue One's my favorite Star Wars movie. I think in the Disney era, it is the best of the Disney era movies. And this is all Hope's opinion. <laughs> um, so I will totally air all my biases on the table. But I, I feel like if, like, in 20 years, Rogue One is going to continue to be an incredibly important movie in the Star Wars canon. And it's proven that already in four years as we've seen its themes and ideas resonate across other Star Wars properties going back from the prequel era all the way to the sequel era. And of course it takes place in the original trilogy era. Mm-hmm. And it's it's has like fermented, not fermented, cemented <laughs> its importance in the canon. Wonder I guess where that's going with that. I, I, well, know, I know, wrong word came out. <laughs> um, I, I, you see, the thing about Rogue One is it's the like it's written of this time. You know, it it, it is retro Star Wars in that its original style. That is a very style, valid point. That is a very, writ- that very, very. It's valid written the point. way we write things now. You know, and like. I don't know, you know, I I don't think George, well, George Lucas doesn't write things like that. So if it was back in the prequel era, it would have been George Lucas and, you know, it would have been a more, it would have been a different, it would have been a different thing. And, 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 you know, I mean, Star Wars, I mean, Star Wars is, has to change with the times because your audience gets old and dies and there's new audiences coming and they are used to watching things written in a certain way and society has changed and people view things in a different way. People consume media in a different way and it all, you know, ties to, I mean, the, 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 the story structure of Rogue One, if it came out in the seventies would have been some sort of like Nicholas Rogue, you know, outlier movie outlier and it would have been very weird you know they were like boy they got really experimental with this star you know this star wars movie with the way they structured it and stuff whereas we're used to that like more and we're used to like longer format you know more mini series type of things where you can tell a novel's worth of information over 12 hour long episodes and stuff so people view it and consume it and process it completely differently now. So it would have been, I mean, it would have been fascinating to see what the reaction would have been 
then because visually it wouldn't have been too far. I mean, actually, I mean, if it showed up as it did on the screen, you know, the technology, they would have been like these special effects. Why didn't they do these in the prequels? You know, but, you know, it still it looked more original. Um, so it would have been I think it would have been just like people would have been like, what that? I don't know if they would have been ready for it then, you know. It's yes. it's very of its time. I don't know if people were ready for it when it came out. You know, it did it did good, but it didn't like explode. You know, that, yeah, that's very that's a very valid point. I never actually thought about it in that light because it would have been a very different movie in the '90s. It would have or no, the '90s, 2000s, because it was '99. Um, or at least Phantom Menace. Um, so yeah, that, that's a good point because it would have been a very different movie. So, all right. Anyway, Clone Wars, <laughs> um, you just want to go straight through with whatever's left. Yeah. Yeah. I think I could work all my, my stuff off yours. Um, I love Bo-Katan's line of, I wish I was good at something other than war. I think, I think with a character like Bo-Katan, cause we almost always see her fighting, but that's also a lot of her setup for rebels. Because um, she's a more hesitant leader in Rebels, I think that's a really good setup line for her story. In that, um, that's and I the just... fate of everybody. Almost pretty much everybody that we see in this episode is somebody whose life is. Ju- I mean, it's mm-hmm. a kind of a meta statement because it is Star Wars, so it is movies about the wars. But like, really, every. Uh, you know, I mean, there were I'm sure there were Mandalorian citizens running around, but every character that we see on the screen in this, it's a character that we know with dialogue, Maul included and Bo-Katan. They've all just been basically they're all just creatures of war. Their whole lives have been war. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and I just wanted to touch note about this. Um, I'm not going to go into it here because we talked at length during our Rebels coverage about this. But it, um, there are a lot of comparisons between this episode and Heroes of Mandalore. And when we were actually talking Heroes of Mandalore, when we covered Rebels, it was the same week that this episode came out. <laughs> so yeah. we actually did a lot of comparison between the two. Um, and we talked about the parallels between the episode, the character arcs in that episode, how it rhymed between Clone Wars and Rebels. I'm not going to go back over it there because we that was like what like a 20 minute talk that we had yeah, back then. Like so um, if you want to hear us talk about the comparisons between the two episodes, um, go check out our episode for Heroes of Mandalore because we really do deep dive in the comparisons between Ahsoka and Ezra and Bo-Katan and between Clone Wars and Rebels because we it, we lucked out on that. We just so happened to have it on the same week and we really lucked out on that timing. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, if you want to hear about the parallels between the episodes, go and listen to our episode for Heroes of Mandalore. Okay, let's talk about the Citizen line, because I used to have a problem with it, too. Um, and I don't have a problem with it anymore, because I, when I was doing my instant reaction on YouTube, I actually paused the episode and I was like, this bitch just called her a citizen or something. But, you know, um, I think it's a actually very fitting line for what Blanket to call Ahsoka a citizen, because... Yoda offers her a chance, and I think they were all offering her a chance, you know? Yeah, and he, no. And he calls her, and he flat out says, like, she calls herself a citizen first. And he goes, not as a Jedi. And Ahsoka is the one to decline, and because she is making her choice not to go back to them. 
And I feel like Mace is like, okay, that's your choice then. Because, of course, they're not going to let her be privy to something the Jedi Council is talking to. And is there some shade in there? Yes. Is there a little saltiness in there? Yes. But it makes sense in the context. And we know what Blanket Windu. He's a very logical, protocol-following dude. He follows the rules. And if she would have said yes as a Jedi, I think they would have been that would have been a very different conversation. But it's not. I'm not saying it wasn't, it wasn't like, yeah, but like I'm saying, yeah, I'm just saying he's a dick. He yeah, was a dick always, about He's always been Every, a Everybody else dick. was like, hi, Ahsoka, it's good to see you. Yes, we're good to see you. You want to be a Jedi? No, thank you. Okay. And he could have said that is your, well, that's your choice. You know, good luck, good luck with you. But he had to be just like, yeah, citizen, you know, just, you know, okay, whatever, wet blanket. You got to be a dick, you know. So much so that Yoda had to hang around and be like, yeah, don't listen to him. You want, want me to pass up that on this Skywalker? That's all I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a little salt and shade in there. But yeah. I actually, like, that line used to actually make me angry. Um, and it doesn't anymore. Like, especially because, like, now that I, like, I realize that that was their chance to try and get her to come back. And you know what? It might have saved her life. We don't know how that would have came out differently. Well, she knows if she goes back, she'd have to tell him about Anakin, too. She'd pretty much be like, you know, well, well pretty much lucky. she'd be bound by being a, you know, lucky but, for her. They're all dead by the time she gets back. So. Yeah. Yeah. It all problem takes care of itself, you know, but good job, Palpatine. Thanks, everybody. He's, I he's planned a problem it well. solver. <laughs> Palpatine's like self high five, everybody. <laughs> Oh my God, Papa Palpatine would totally be like be a self high fiver, all the time. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna bring up a question that per- still plagues me to this day about Rex, and it plagues me. It plagued me all through Rebels, and it still plagues me at this time. And I just want a solid answer, Dave Filoni. I just want a good answer about this. So Rex brings up to Ahsoka that she didn't inform the Council of what Maul said about Anakin last episode, about Anakin being the secret apprentice to, to to Sidious. And I have to wonder if after Order 66 and then the Empire comes sweeping in, if Rex ever put together that Anakin is Darth Vader. And I had this question in Rebels. I wondered that all throughout Rebels. And I still want to know if Rex ever found out that that motherfucker is Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> I want to know this, Dave Filoni. It has bothered me. When, when did Rebels start? Uh, like, what, 2015 or something? It's bothered, bothered me for half a fucking decade. Does if Captain... I had to guess, I'd say no. If I had to guess, I'd, I'd have to say he didn't. I go back and forth on it. Because sometimes I think he does, and sometimes I think he doesn't. And I go back and forth on that constantly. Um, because I feel like in Twilight of the Apprentice, when he's having that opening conversation with Ahsoka... I think he, I, I feel like he did there, but I don't know. We don't know how much Anakin, we don't know what, we don't know what happened to them off screen. We don't know how much Ahsoka and Rex caught up off screen. We just don't. We never saw their off screen time together of them just talking. Honestly, after they hug each other up to Twilight of the Apprentice, I don't think they have another scene together. So we honestly don't I, know how much has happened. And it bothers I just me. It bothers me so much. I don't know why. What reason Rex would not tell Ahsoka if he knew? 
or vice versa, because we do hear right. like we don't know when. Because I'm just saying, uh, after the Empire comes in, if he puts together later, like if he starts hearing about a Sith Lord and he starts talking about his clones, and this is where I think Rex could be very interesting in the Bad Batch series. Um, because I have a theory that he's going to be trying to save clones and one of the clone groups that he saves is the Bad Batch and frees them of their chips. That's my theory. And I think it's, we know that Rex spent a little time in the Empire because he says in Rebels that him and Cody helped to write the Imperial Codes. So I'm, I still wonder if Rex kind of laid Loda in the Empire with the other clones to try to save his brother. And we know that he knew something was going on with Fides. We know that he's been looking into this kind of thing. And I'm wondering if at some point he pieced it together. Um, but I don't know when. And I, I don't even know if he did. And I think that's that's what I want to know. Is I want to know if Rex ever found out. Even after, you know, Aunt Vader died. Like, maybe he was talking to Luke and Leia. And they're like, yeah, that guy was Anakin Skywalker. And Rex is like, bitch, what? Um, I just want to know if Rex ever found out. And I don't even care if it's after Return of the Jedi or after the Clone Wars. I just want to know if Rex ever knew. And it's bothered me for half a fucking decade. <laughs> I want to know these things. I think that's like by like one tiny like like that's the thing that gets me I'm just like, Dave, I need to know. See, I that that that's the stuff I don't I just I I don't understand it. Like I I I don't want to know anything until somebody decides to reveal it you know what i mean i like it all just sort of like in the air and if if somebody's gonna answer it that's cool i don't need to know until it matters you know to the to the story or to where you can use it for a nice dramatic effect or whatever a nice scene you know normally and be like oh that's a nice scene but like (laughs) i love just like not knowing anything (laughs) well see like i'm i'm normally the same way and i think the reason why i'm rex in is different for me is i've been invested in rex and rex and anakin's story for a decade and we we know how ahsoka found out that he was anakin that vader was anakin but we don't know that side of rex's story and i feel like that's a missing piece in rex's story and And so, like, that, I think, because normally I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, I'll just let things happen the way that happens. But I'm actually, like, heavily invested for a decade of my life in Rex and Anakin's story. And when they brought him back in Rebels, like, that was a very fascinating thing to me is the does he, does he not know about Vader? And and how much does he know about Vader? Or does he not find out until he's with Luke on Endor and they're burning Vader's body? And Rex is like, who's that guy? And he was like, that was my father, Anakin. And he's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> well, no, no, I mean, I understand, like, I understand how that's tantalizing, but, like, I like that. I, it's, I don't know, maybe it's perverse. Maybe it's like, I like the carrot, you know, just hung, you, you know, having carrots hung hung there and stuff and like it's almost like i want to keep the carrot (laughs) i like having that that ambiguity always leads like leaves more stuff fluid and open to interpretation i've always been i i've always been like i remember not being pissed off as a kid at the end of empire strikes back and i might be one of the few star wars fans who didn't get traumatized by the end of empire strikes back i was like i was like angry that i had to wait i was of course as any kid i was impatient that i had to wait three years for a new movie 
but whether I was hanging or not on that three years, it didn't matter. It was just like, I wanted a new star Wars movie tomorrow, but like, as far as the story goes, if it's hanging, it's hanging and it's going to end up not hanging three years from now. But I was okay. I was okay with like not knowing at the end of that. And like, I don't know, maybe it was the books that I read when I was younger or, or something like that. But like, I've always, that's why I love like David Lynch movies and stuff where nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing is spelled out <laughs> in any kind of meaningful way. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and like I said, I'm normally like that too, but there are just very few things where I'm just like, I need to know this. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I don't like, think that's abnormal. I think I'm abnormal for, uh, for not being like that, but I no. just I, it's that's one of my that's what I've just never never been able to I understand. I think more people it. should be like you because I think we get so caught up with like actually a lot of people had it like took a lot of problems with this episode. I actually with the Siege of Mandalore because it did not 100% line up with the Ahsoka novel which was the only thing that we had before this that gave us a tiny little look at the Siege of Mandalore and people were losing their shit they were like oh this is not and instead of just like letting the story be the story and I think and that's where like it runs the risk of when we do know too much and I'm gonna be a hypocrite because when we cover trust this is one of my issues with trust is they completely rewrote Poe's already established character but the reason it's a problem because it's a fucking racist take because you don't make the only Latino lead in your movie a goddamn drug runner anyway <laughs> but like, for, like oh you mean so, like in the last story arc I touche but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it really it's, yeah, no, well, that no, story arc is post-Trost, too, so... <laughs> yeah, it's, but it is a little bit problematic with Poets because they already had him as an established story arc, and they already gave him, like, a huge... Oh. Huh? I was just going to say, oh, Hope, when we when we get to Tross... I'm drinking that night. I'm... I'm uh, there, there's going to be a laundry... Yeah, Poe is just going to be one of the things on the... On the <laughs> you the mean how Zeri Bliss... Sometimes I go to sleep at night and think about like, like I'm not looking, I'm not going into this to just like flame out this movie because there's definitely parts where I'm going to go like, "Eh, you know, this works. I like this. I like how this looks or whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely trying to, um, formulate my, I'm formulating. I'm formulating. I love how Zori Bliss is only there to prove that Poe Dameron at one time ate some pussy. That's the entire purpose of her character. I think the entire purpose of her character was she's a, was a friend of um, of J.J. Uh, Abrams and had been in a bunch of TV shows and could make an awful lot of money. For no, a, that was for Dominic a, Monaghan. That was Dominic Monaghan. Do you know the only reason why Dominic Monaghan was in that movie? She was too. Yeah, they they both were. He the only reason Dominic Monaghan was in that movie is because they had a, a soccer bet, and if one of them won, then Dominic got it. I I think if Dominic won, he got to be in the Star Wars movie, and that's the only reason he was in that movie. Which I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool, JJ. Yeah, thanks for taking lines away from everybody else. Like Rose, who yeah, somebody timed Rose's story. 
so many times the amount of like screen time Rose has, and it's 90 seconds yeah. in the movie. Such a piece, guys. I'm gonna be drinking so much that day. I I will say though, I am I am interested in rewatching the first half because when I was watching Trust, um, the asshole behind me was talking a lot and like doing a lot of like cat calling and like you know like being like doing commentary on the movie until the point where I finally stood up and I looked at him. I was like, dude, shut up. And I moved seats. So I actually did miss a lot of the first half of the movie because I had somebody talking behind me. And it, so I am very interested in watching about the first half hour again because I missed chunks of it. <laughs> so I've only seen it once, too. Cat I haven't. I, I sort of watched the first half of it a, a little after it came out on video and then I never finished it. <laughs> says says a lot, whereas... The, the first two movies I watched compulsively as soon as I could, you know, I watched them several times in the theater and then watched them compulsively, like, once I could watch them on video. So that says a lot. So I'm going to actually I'm actually going to go through and watch it again before we do the, the show. I, to, I am, too. I'm, I'm actually going to sit and watch it just so I know when I am drunk so I what to babble at. Pose my thoughts or whatever. But anyway. Well, what would you do if every time you mentioned several times, I just went, goodbye, girl. <laughs> a little nod to our Gravity Falls show with the band uh, several times. Just, I just went, goodbye, girl. Would you I hate me? Al- I, I heard Alex Hirsch mentioned on a news show today. He was actually, I read several articles about him, about what I sent you. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Um, my last little Bo-Katan note is, um, I am just interested with all the rumors going out, how much this episode is going to be set up to them possibly meeting back up in the Mandalorian. Um, that was my last little Bo-Katan note. Oh, for sure. For sure. They're, 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 they're wise to do that anyway. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the way they're, the, the way they're doing it, it works out really well. Yeah. Um, I like, my next note is about Maul. I love seeing the scenes where he's trapped in his box and he's just clo- he finally has that scene where he just closes his eyes and he's meditating. And we know that he's meditating up to the point of Order 66. And at some point in Clone Wars, I don't remember where, but it was either Palpatine to Dooku or maybe it was Palpatine to Vader and Rebels. But at some point, I remember Palpatine saying this because it, it struck me so deeply. He told his apprentice to trust in the Force. And the way he stated it, it was almost verbatim, similar to the Force mantras that the Jedi use. And seeing Maul meditate on screen reminded me of that. And I like that, to see him meditating, because we normally see lightsiders meditate on screen. And I'm noting on screen, because we see darksiders constantly meditate in the comics, but I'm just noting on screen. Um, And that's just a really cool beat, because it just shows how much they really are just opposite sides of the coin like they both believe in the same thing just the opposites it's it's got a little bit of mirror image to episode one too where he was fighting obi-wan oh you are right and obi-wan meditated and there was a red force field behind him just like the red force field in this one it was qui-gon qui-gon that's right it was qui-gon it was before he killed qui-gon it was just before just before he got in to fight Qui-Gon after those, those, that bank of force fields, but they were all like red force fields. And this one, he was behind a red force field in a red box and he was meditating while the wolves were at the door on the other side, except he, he didn't 
except he came out alive, <laughs> non bisected. Yeah, that's once. true. That's a really good point. I forgot about that. So, so it but, was it, it was a nice little sort of mirror image rhyme to episode one too, um, which they've been doing a bit. They you know they did that in the last step in the last episode. You, you mean the entirety of the last episode is yeah. a mirror yeah. image of episode one? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, just some notes on the last conversation. We kind of touched on these while we were commentating. Um, I like that Ahsoka is bringing up what Barra said about the Jedi being peacekeepers, because that's exactly what Barra said in the Geonosis arc was we're supposed to be keepers, not soldiers. And Ahsoka says, I've been nothing but a soldier this entire time. And even though her ex-friend friend tried to frame her for murder and get her killed, I think she's starting to realize what Barris was saying. And then on the flip side with the clones, isn't that what Clone Wars as a show is? It's the complexity of these men who were created to be cannon fodder by the good guys, and now they're all people, but they wouldn't exist in the first place if there wasn't a war. Yeah. And it's such a short little conversation, but there is so much, like, and I liked how you put it. Like, that, like that is the very, like, this is what Clone Wars is about. I like well, how people you say that. people say, oh, they're having an existential conversation is sort of like, mocking philosophers or something but this is a true you know this is a true like why are we here what is our life our life has been war but we've been through a good chunk of it together you know but it's it's a really bitter it's 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 barely even sweet it's mostly bitter because they're on we the brink the of, yeah we as the audience know that when rex leaves that room order 66 is happening yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not like, well, we've been, you know, what do we do now that war's over and we've been warriors all our lives? It's just, yeah, yeah it's their their lives have, everybody there, like I said, everybody there has just been fighting their whole lives, and guess what? They're all going to fight for the rest of their lives now. <laughs> yeah. So, for, so, yeah, it's really super tragic and dark. Absolutely. Um one thing I do have to uh, wonder, though, and this is just like a little meta note, um, and it's one of those things that, like, I would, you know, it'd be cute if, if this is true or not, but that moment where Rex and Ahsoka salute each other, I wonder if that's just a little meta in-joke, um, because a few years before season, I think it was like a year, the year before season seven was even announced when they were still working on it, uh, there was a celebration where when they came out on stage, Dee Bradley Baker saluted Ashley Eckstein when she came on stage, and she saluted him back. And they're in the exact same positions on stage that Rex and Ahsoka are when they salute each other in this episode. So I always just thought, like, I wonder if that was just, like, a cute little nod to that moment, like a little meta-nod. Um, or I think that'd if on be really stage, cute. maybe they were nodding to some animantics that they'd done before, you know? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe they had already voiced their characters at that point because they have to work so far in advance. They could have already voiced that scene. Um, and so I always wonder if that was like a little meta nod to that moment. So, um, I noted about how I wish R7 and Ahsoka had more of a relationship. I'll come back to that next week. Okay. Can we talk about fives? <laughs> fives. Fives. Fives continues to be so important. Um, yes, Rex is a main character and he is like one of the heartbeats and threads of all of Clone Wars, but I think Fives is the most important clone 
of Clone Wars. Yeah, he's too broken to make him like a character as big a main character as Rex. He's too like kind of depressing in his story arc. He's not a depressing character, but I yeah, he's important. But like, I don't. I I bet you they were like, we can't do this to Rex, but we want to do this with a clone. Mm-hmm. But we can't make this clone like as big a story element as Rex. So they just sort of worked five into where he is. And like, he's in there a good amount of time, you know? Yeah, like, we continue to see Fives' importance way after Fives' death. And he is, and we see that continue to resonate into Rebels. And Fives is such a good character, and I like that they started building him up season four. And I, I do kind of wonder if, by season four, if they started realizing the journey he was going to go to, and that was purposeful. Because he is the one that has lost everything in season four. He lost the entire Domino Squad by that time he had lost Echo. He's a no fucks to give man. And he is no fucks to give about the Republic and about the Jedi. The only thing he cares about is protecting his brothers. And we see that on Umbara. He's the first one. He's the one that's going to Rex constantly on Umbara going, something is wrong here, Rex. We are being slaughtered. And he's the one that gets Rex to start thinking differently. Rex, Fives is the reason that Rex lives. Fives is the reason that Rex goes on into Rebels. He's the reason that Rex goes on to fight at Endor. And it's because of Fives. Fives is the one that made, that put the idea in Rex's head that something is wrong. And then he goes on his journey in season six to find out the conspiracy and actually find the chips because he believed in his brother Tup so much and he would not take no for an answer. He would not take no from the Jedi. He would not take no from the Republic. He would not take no, no from Geonosis. He knew in his gut that something was wrong and he worked hard and he found it. And you know what? He saved kicks. Because there's a reason Kix makes it to the sequel trilogy. Should he have been in Resistance? Yes! So Kix should have showed up in Resistance. But he not only saves Rex's life, he saves Kix's life as well. Even though Kix is locked, lost and frozen for like 50 years, he still saves Kix's life. And Rex, like, and Fives is the reason that they all survive. He is the reason. He is the most important clone I would say after Rex. Because if not for Fives, there's a reason that, that Rex says find him five find fives and he begs ahsoka to find fives because he knows that's that important and it's that piece of information that saves rex's life and we can think but and like he's just such an important character in clone wars and he is oh oh i love five so much and you guys know you guys know i love fives go back and listen to our way away like what three years ago or something like that where we talked about the fives arc <laughs> well and all the the prequel story stuff up to you know up to here there's all these elements in there where you know that there's sort of like close but no cigar elements that like there, there were there were ways that they could have found out about or, Order 66 early or found out about Palpatine early or made this connection or that. But you always see them, especially in like in Clone Wars, you always see them just get missed or, or someone not make the connection or like in Rebels with Click Clack, you know, not putting the Death Star 100, you know, together when it's right there. You know, there's all these things that happen right in front of people. And, and you know, and Fives was another one of those that he could have brought the whole thing, you know, it could have brought the whole thing down. There were all these things that could have brought the whole thing down, but they just like, 
sort of fizzle out because the the people who it's right in front of just don't see it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they purposely put that in there narratively to as fodder for, you know, to make the shows more interesting. But it also feels like, you know, the force, you know, it could even out if things are just, you know, things, you know, when things are in flux enough, if a couple things were a little different, they would have figured out, oh, why do these clones have chips in them? Oh, we took the chip and ha- we took it to, you know, my hacker friend. And he like, and it says here that when they do Order 66, he'll turn on the Jedi and they're like, let's get Palpatine. And then they, you know, put Palpatine in the Phantom Zone or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, there's a, there, there were all these sort of little storylines where, where they could have figured things out. And I just thought Fives was, was one of the, the, the bigger ones where they just came this close and they just, they just walked right up to it and then... They lift on that pitch. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a space whiff. I definitely also think it's interesting because I remember us debating how much Anakin pulls from that because he's the one that's watching that um, with Rex watching Fives die and watching like uh, Fives like rant and rave about it. And I think the difference is between Rex and Anakin in that scene because Anakin's already in the don't trust the Jedi form because a, a yeah. ship has already left by now. Um, but we know, and I, I think the little cue that Anakin might have thought about it a little bit more is because the code is it's locked away under Anakin's code. Ahsoka uses Anakin's code to access it. Um, and I think that might have been like a little nod that maybe Anakin thought about it a little bit more. But I think the difference is Umbara. And I think that's all the difference is that we know from that episode that Pong Krell pulled Anakin away from his men and left his men with somebody else. And I think if Anakin had went through Umbara with fives and Rex and like had that like fives like constantly like, yep. like doubting and doubting and doubting and doubting. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. Umbara is the difference of why Anakin didn't believe fives while Rex believed yeah. fives. And it's that all is these art. little all these little things that add up to just like keep it keep it from ever catching and i mean it could never catch because we know the turnout of it but i like to work it in as as you know the you know the time the timelines could go either way and it was like just those little things if anakin wasn't taken away and if anakin didn't have his own sort of up his own ass problems going on he might have noticed you know there were just all every every it's it's the butterfly effect Mhm. Absolutely. Um, and the last little note I have is Rex's report and the the sad fact that he knows it would fall on deaf ears. And I think that's the most telling part of all of this is he knew that the Jedi wouldn't listen, the Republic wouldn't listen, the Kaminoans wouldn't listen, and Palpatine wouldn't listen. And he knew that but, nobody in the world would listen to him, but he still wanted to report it anyway because he believed in Fives that much. And in turn, it's what again saves his life because Ahsoka listens. And she's well, the one that's removed of all of it. He, he and Ahsoka are still going to try till the very end, you know? Just like we were say, saying before, Rex is going to, he's going to at least try, he's going to at least do 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 the thing even though he knows it's not going to work and ahsoka is not going to kill the clones even though they're going to be 
dead, dead, dead soon enough. Mm-hmm. But that's that's you know that comes that's part of what what I mean. They're just so like I mean, people don't give George Lucas enough credit, and uh, you know I and these guys get a lot of credit for being able to get drama out of a story that everybody knows the ending of and has seen a movie about the ending of and knows the outcome with the next three movies after it and still keep it keep you guessing and keep you and even keep you like a little bit on the edge of the seat of things you already know are going to happen so they just did a really good job of of making it work and making it still be like dramatic and like in a real way, you know? Mm-hmm. So absolutely. But that's I, yeah, yeah. But I, I said just that's such a sad moment about where the Republic is, is that Rex has, and I think that's a lot for Rex's character too, because Rex's whole character is loyalty. He is the most loyal person here in here. That is his character trait. And the fact that, we, we, the whole epi- the whole show is about Anakin's downfall. It's about Ahsoka walking away because she loses his faith and I th- her faith in everything and the Jedi and stuff like that. And I think this is the last straw is Rex realizing that the Republic is not what it is and him admitting, saying, yeah. this report will fall on Death's ears. He has finally reached the same point that Anakin and Ahsoka have been have reached. And now all three of them are there, and they are the three main characters of Clone Wars, and he finally is up to date. Well, his loyalty made him shoot. His loyalty made him try to kill Ahsoka. You know, yeah, the the chip his did loyalty, too. His loyalty, his loyalty is what makes him hesitate to kill Ahsoka. Right, but like that. But when his chip kicks in, he goes into Rex mode, and he's Rex. So he's now he's loyal to the to order 66 i 100 disagree with you man i'm i'm just saying his loyalty's got like and then when he gets the chip out and 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 that's why ahsoka says it's not his fault you know it, it turned him but still if loyalty is one of your traits and you get turned you're still going to be you're still going to be loyal no, because what if we what, what's our argument that we've been debating this whole entire time is how the clones are like droids. That's not Rex anymore. The moment that chip fully kicks in, that's not Rex anymore. He might as well just be a mindless droid because he is not in control of himself anymore. And so and, no, and we see not, that moment where he's fight he's fighting it. He's literally crying. There are yeah, tears but, coming but down that, his face, and that's Rex losing his control because his loyalty for Ahsoka is trying to give her a fighting chance. And then he becomes a droid. They all become droids. And they all get completely they, they wiped do away. Sort of, but he's still like when he's he's still talking and thinking in a sort in his way. I mean He's, I mean, he's becoming a machine, but war makes you a machine too. So he's just reverting into war machine. But the thing, but I guess what I'm trying to say is like he becomes her worst enemy because he knows her better than anybody and he's got chipped. But then once he gets the chip removed, then his test of loyalty is actually having to decide that he's more loyal to Ahsoka than to his brother clones and shoot three clones, you know, to save Ahsoka's life, you know, also knowing that they were chipped, but still, that must have been just like, I mean, Rex just had everything, Not, and he hasn't 
been having the easiest time in the last couple of years anyway. But like in this episode, he gets everything, you know, tested to its very limits, you know. But that's and, the thing. Uh, you said that he shoots three cones, but his chip is out. He is not that's what himself. I'm saying. That's that's what I'm saying. When he's himself, but like and and like I mean, in that situation, the logical thing to do would be to shoot the clones. But it must have been, you know, especially after just having brain surgery, <laughs> after having gone through having your brain totally turned into a robot, knowing that you were trying to kill like one of your best friends and then you having it pulled out of your head and then sitting up and then having to shoot three of your brothers like immediately. It just must have been but like the emotional him roller coaster of all time. And you we know? know that. We know that in the next episode. That is yeah, an emotional yeah. coaster. That's what I'm saying. But, I'm just saying, like, we, we see Rex get, like, basically all of his Rexness stretched to the edge of the envelope in, like, the last few... Uh, he's been getting it stretched anyway, but, like, that you know, basically, once he gets past this episode... There ain't much worse that could happen to Rex. <laughs> you know what I mean? He could lose some. He could lose Ahsoka or something like that. But I mean, like Rex has been through this episode. Is Rex going through the fire? You know, and coming out the other side. That's the next. This and the next episode. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because I, I kind of feel like that this way episode about... is, the fi- is the is the fire is the f- like cleansing fire though. Yeah, I. I, I kind of like uh, I like next week's episode. And I think it's brilliant and beautiful and stuff like that. But out of the four Siege of Mandalore arcs, and I say this, and it's still great, and it's still gonna get like a nine rating. Um, but next week is my least favorite because it's just Fallout, and it's just a lot of Fallout, um, and it's just wrapping everything up. Um, and it almost feels like where everything else feels like it can almost stand on its own. That one just feels like it has to be attached to this one. And I almost wish they did air this one together with next week as just one hour long episode. Yeah. Soon enough, I'm going to be watching them all as one. So, yeah, but I think that would have been really cool. And as much as I would have loved clone wars to like last, I, I feel like this week and next week should have been an hour long episode. So mm-hmm. that's all I have. Did you have anything else? I'm ready to score it up. Score it up for me. Chris. 10 out of 10. I love it. Top to bottom. There's not really anything that I really have to, like, gripe about this episode. It's just a joy to watch. Watch, gonna... it twi- watch it twice in two days and, and like, it's, it's, it, I can tell I'm just, like, the whole Siege of, Siege of Mandalore is going to be something you can watch over and over again like a movie and keep sucking new information out of it. So I'm going to Sophie's Choice, you ready? Okay. Because last week was a 10 for 10 as well. Yeah. If you had to choose between the two, which one would be your top? If you had, and I'm not, I'm not saying like you can have both 10 for 10, but if you no, had I would to choose say last one, week, last last week's is maybe a stronger 10, because it's just last this, week was this 11? one. This one for the for for the intense ending is kind of a meditative episode before the explosion. Whereas the last one was like, 
an explosion like you thought it felt like it felt like the end of something you know it felt like it would be the last sequence in siege of mandalore and it was only halfway through and it was this epic you know it was very epic it was it was the actual so i would say that one's maybe a little stronger 10 i don't know though this one would you say that this a one lot is of the a... atmosphere of doom of the whole episode three stuff that that i love would you say <laughs> so that... it's hard to, it's a hard call would you say that last week was more of a t- uh no this one was a 10 but last week was an 11 yeah i don't know about that yeah yeah i don't know if i want to start slinging 11s out yet where uh it's I know you're the trying hairs. To... no i'm Break. just curious i'm just curious uh, 11s for guests <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's really the difference between an a and an a plus really like yeah um for me in big words i wrote the pain the pain of it all that i love so much um, pretty much we're in fallout, fallout mode now. Um, everything's in the finale and we're just wrapping everything up and we're finishing Rex and Ahsoka's stories. And it's great. It's beautiful. It's painful. I love seeing, I love seeing fives and rogue ones continued importance in the canon and in the story, um, especially fives because he continues to be one of the most important characters of Clone Wars. Um, I, but I do, I, I love last week's episode. I think last week's episode is just the best of the entire show. Like, uh, and that's saying something because Mubaru used to be my Tim for 10, but Phantom Apprentice is the best episode of the entire show. Um, but this one is still great. I gave it a 9.5 out of 10. Mm. So close. Yeah. Um, well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our episode, A Distant Echo. Take it away, Chris. This one comes from Paul C. Kelly. Oh, yeah. Echo with all the robotics coming out of his spine reminded me of the movie Species. Oh, yeah, naked lady. There's a scene when reptilian tentacles grow out of her back in a similar fashion. Oh, yeah, Crossfire the Troublemaker. He is very much like Raphael and the Ninja Turtles. Also, that intro echo tune really sounded like it was made for Clone Echo, LOL. That would also sound cool as an echo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, what you need to do is echo that, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Candy. We're... All right. I'm running low. Do you want to do the Life Lily O'Brien Dark Chocolate Salted Himalayan Bar? Yes. All right. So if you don't know what we're doing, our friend Dario sent us candy from all over the world to review because he's a fly attendant and he's awesome. And he's Chris's co-podcaster for Eat It and Beat It. And this week we are... Where is it? We're eating the Lily O'Brien, which is from Ireland. Also, Chris hates American Kit Kats because he's a weirdo. These literally are packaged like soap in a from a hotel room. Oh my god, they are. I hope it tastes better than soap from a hotel room. I'm, I'm sure they do. <sighs> yes, they do. <laughs> I don't know what soap from a hotel room tastes like, but I have had my mouth rinsed out with soap, so I can only imagine. 
Mmm, mm, 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 mm. I love when you get those little pieces of salt. Mm-hmm. Those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, mm. it just tastes like really weird dark chocolate with salt in it. Yeah, nothing really unusual to report here, folks. Like some of our other ones where we go, I don't know what this tastes like. This is just good. Good dark chocolate. It's got some snap to it. And it's not super salty. It doesn't have like... It's not like crunchy with salt. But it has, uh, yeah, that like... Where you just hit a pocket of it. And it's almost like first you taste like the sort of chemical salt taste. And the salt hitting with the sweet and the bitter. Mm. If I had a criticism... I wish the salt was a little bit more punchy, but that's just a personal preference because mm-hmm. I love I love when you hit that salt in chocolate. I don't mind getting a little crunch of salt in there either. Yeah. I actually I recently just got um some uh uh mocha salted uh coffee creamer, and it's delicious because I like it has that like tiny punch of salt in it when you drink it in your coffee and. It is. I oh, know it says it's mocha salted caramel. That's what it is. So it's salted caramel, um, and it's so good because mm-hmm. <laughs> you can taste that little punch of salt in it. But yeah, this is really good. I just wish it had that little extra like nudge of salt because I love it. <laughs> mm. Mm. Just lick it and and shake some more salt on it like it was a piece of corn on the cob. <laughs> I actually don't eat corn on the cob. I always cut it off. Weird. You would have got kicked out of our family, Hope. <laughs> I, I used to, but um, it's become like a tooth sensitivity thing that I actually, um, it, it, sometimes it can be a little painful to eat it. So I more, and you get more corn when you cut it off. Like when you actually oh, yeah. cut no, off the no. cob, there's yeah. so much more corn. We, our grandfather, the grandfather on my mother's side was allowed to do it because he had dentures. And it and it really didn't work with his dentures, so he had to had to cut it off. But yeah, mm-hmm. but it yeah, was mine... just it was considered animalistic and crude in my household not to not to pick up the a big drippy <laughs> butter, yeah. But it holds the butter better when it's like in the bowl and uh, I uh, know no, it's delicious. It's a matter of principle. Mm. Well, do you have anything else for shattered? No. All right, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website. Hopefully should be new by now. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope. It's uh, like, as we're recording, I'm hoping any day now we'll be uh, dropping it. Don't know for sure. Ah, I mean, that's at twotruefreaks.com. And you can see all our podcasts there. And subscribe to them there or at iTunes. We are also on Facebook. There's a Two True Freaks podcast where we list all our shows and the Two True Freaks Cantina, which is more of a sort of a hangout spot. And if the new shows up, or the new sites up, we might even have some new hangout Two True Freak options for you going on there. Also, we are on Twitter, and Twitter is run by Gene Gene, the interdimensional demon machine. Mm. Jane, I'm still eating this chocolate, so I'm not saying I'm... (laughs) (laughs) You're much more, um... I put that last little sliver in my mouth and I'm letting it melt, so... Mm. Yeah, that's how you gotta do it. 
I only ate half of it because I got half a meatball sub waiting for me after this for for my second dinner. I just have bed after this, so I'm enjoying it right before bed. I'm gonna have a meatball sub and then I'll finish off the rest of that candy bar as an aperitif. After dinner, we'll have her thin chocolate. Oh, that was good. All right, we're finishing it off next time. I still have to say where I am. Oh, oh yeah, hey, Hope. <laughs> they find you. I got so distracted by the chocolate. <laughs> and, well, you also have a meatball sub waiting for you, so I, that's very I important. That for sure. Yeah, that's very important. It's It's been a hot minute since I've had a meatball sub, and... I would love to have a meatball sub. This uh, place but, makes meatball subs use great bread, too. It's got a good oh, uh, Italian to it, too. Do they have the bread where it's like the cheese on top? No, it's 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 an Italian bread, but it's... it's um, if I, I'm going to heat this up in the toaster oven, and when it heats up, the crust is that combination of it gets crispy, but it's also chewy. Mm. Italian bread's got that thick, chewy Italian bread crust. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's from the Morticello, Morticello's Bakery, and it's, and when you find sub sub places that use Morticello's bread, it's just like yes, the bread is almost always better than the stuff inside of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ah, now I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. You can find me at Jedi's and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter accounts. You can also find me at Hope Monix. And of course on my website, geekygirlexperience.com, where I have been reviewing The Mandalorian, uh, which you heard us talking about. But probably by the time this episode comes out, the season's almost going to be over. So you can get all caught up over there. And of course, Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where we are currently going through season two of Gravity Falls. And we'll be... <sighs> Oh, by the time this episode comes out, we're going to be past the blank point where the blank happens and the blank and the blank and blank, blank, blank. And Chris's mm-hmm, mind's going to yeah. be like, what? Chris is just going to be like, what? So if you want to hear Chris go, what? You're just going to have to go listen to Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. And when we finish up Gravity Falls, we're going to do Avatar Last Airbender. Watcha! Really looking forward to that. Yeah, I am too. I'm interested because... You know how we were talking about how Rogue One would have been different because it's of its time? Yeah. And don't get me I'm this is not a slight at all towards Avatar The Last Airbender. But it does have that, like, because it was kind of the catalyst for all the shows we have now. Yeah. It's interesting because it still has those, like, little nods to the stuff that came before it. And it really, to me, this is a Hope person, person thing. Um, I don't feel like Avatar really hits a stride until season two. And that's just me personally. Um, well, I like season one, but season two is when it starts to sing. And well, look, Dave Filoni came from Avatar. And so and did Justin brought, Volk. And so did George Kerstick. He brought writers. He I'm brought sorry, writers. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Justin Ridge. Justin Ridge is what I meant to say. He brought writers from Avatar yeah. to Clone Wars. So, you know, that, you know, and I think that like literally if you can you could trace that into rogue one <laughs> as part of how the modern stories are told you know yeah so i'd but. be I, I'll, i'd be really interested because i've been i again i do love avatar and this is not a slight but it does have that like early 2000s feel to it 
and but you can see the points of how it transitioned to what we have today like you can see like the groundwork gravity falls built off it once we get into later shows like steven universe and owl house and amphibia and like these shows and and, and even clone wars and rebels and resistance you can see how they all go back to avatar but because it was the first it has that to it, it it has that like finding its footing because being the first the first one has to find its footing so everything else can run um so i'm really interested for you to get into that too and we'll we'll, we'll get to avatar so i'm excited for you all right chris next week finish it off victory and death yeah hope's gonna cry on to the on to the holidays and then on to resistance oh, i'm gonna cry so much next week <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.